This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on the show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sport, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs <clears throat> with a frog in my throat. How are you this morning? I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and I'm looking forward to doing the show t- with you today as we do every Sunday here in Kansas City. Our shows are live in Kansas City, rebroadcast throughout the country throughout the week, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I've been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist, been on the radio. 30 years here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted everywhere on Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, all over the place. So we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. We get into all kinds of issues. I interview people. I discuss things with you about mindsets and attitudes and confidence and focus and preparation. And as we're coming back to life again, getting through this pandemic and getting to the other side of it, the world of sports is coming alive again. We're seeing it everywhere. Everyone's starting to compete. The professionals are all playing. College sports are starting to get re- revised again, reinvigorated again, get going again. High school sports, youth sports are going on again. And what is it going to take to succeed? Perhaps more than ever, the role of your coach is going to play a bigger role now bigger have a bigger impact now than ever before because we've been coming out of this crisis this world crisis that's still going on but fortunately in 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 the united states here the vaccines are ramping up people are getting immunized and and hopefully this thing will end by late summer and we can get back to whatever normalcy is because i don't know what that is anymore but we're going to come back to a, a new way of living hopefully a more prepared way of living to deal with things. And the role of a coach is going to play a significant part of this if you play sports. You know, if you've listened to this show before, you know I always say a a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. Well, I think now more than ever, we need more good coaches out there. A coach is a guide, a disciplinarian, a psychologist, an instructor, a listener, a helper, a teacher. Good coaches help us get through things and can help leave a big impact on your life. And today I want to open up our phone lines early on. And I'd like to hear from you about your coach. If you have had a coach in your life who has played a significant impact on you, I'd like to hear from you, positively or negatively. What did he or she do for you that helped you get through things? And what did they do to guide you, to direct you, to instruct you, to coach you, 
to become more successful? Or did you have a coach who wasn't very good? Did you have a coach who was derogatory, egocentric, all about themselves, who only cared about winning because it made them look good, didn't care about the kids or the people, the young men or women they're coaching because it was more about them. So I'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to share a story about your coach, how he or she helped you in a positive or negative way, love to hear it from you this morning. And if you are a coach, like to hear from you as well. Why do you coach? What do you get out of it? What does it do for you to coach your team, your athletes? What do you get out of it for you personally? I know years ago when my sons were little, I coached my older son's Jonathan's baseball team, co-coached it with, with some other dads. And what I got out of it was watching these kids develop and have fun because they were at the time, I think, 10. And it was about having fun and learning some skills and fundamentals and, and, and enjoying playing baseball, which they did. I know we had one young man wanted to play third base, but when he got to third base, all he was interested in was digging up worms. So we had to put him in the outfield because we didn't want him to get hit by a ball. We had another young man who the first time he pitched walked the entire batting order until the inning was over. He was very upset. He was crying on the mound. His dad and I went out there. I went out and then his dad came out. We talked to him. He wanted to keep pitching. It could have really had a detrimental impact on him. He ended up playing all the way through high school. And he said, he went to school with my son. I remember him telling me he was really glad we didn't make him stop even though he walked the entire side, walked in all six runs because he just wanted to keep trying. So what are the qualities of a coach that allows you to be successful? If you've had a coach in your life who impacted you positively or negatively, I'd love to hear from you. I mentioned many times before I grew up playing tennis, learned how to play tennis from a man named John Bragan at uh, what was KC Racquet Club at the time. And uh, Mr. Bragan had a big impact on me. He taught me tennis, but he also taught me values. He taught me about how to play the game the right way. He and his wife, Joyce, raised three daughters who all went on to become very successful, all successful moms. And two of his daughters, Cindy and Susan, went on to play college tennis. Cindy at, at KU and Susan at my, at my alma mater, Vanderbilt. And Mr. Bragan, to this day, has left a significant impact on my life because he was a very positive person. He was a good instructor, he was a good teacher, but he also cared about the kids he coached. Maybe one of the reasons I got into this profession. So I'd like to hear from you. What If you've had a coach who helped you get through things, what was it he or she did that helped you do that? And if you are a coach, I'd like to hear from you as well. What, why do you enjoy coaching? What do you get out of it? What, what, is the, what are the goals you have? What, what, are you, what are the enthusiastic parts of coaching? Is it the teaching? Is it the guiding? Is it helping kids overcome obstacles? I'd love to hear from you. And if you're a parent, how do you know 
that your coach is helping or harming your child? What if you have a coach who is not helping your child? In fact, maybe he's doing some detrimental things. They're not enjoying sport anymore. They don't want to go to practice. They don't like playing in games. They don't like being criticized. How do you deal with that if you're a parent? Now more than ever, as we come out of this pandemic, I feel coaches need to be good psychologists. They need to be good listeners. They need to be good instructors. They need to be empathetic. They need to care maybe more than ever before about the kids they're coaching. You know, lots of coaches like to talk at their kids. Now I think you need to listen more. As we come back to life, get away from this pandemic and start living again, as everyone starts getting outside playing sports, inside playing sports, wherever you might be, your coach is going to have a bigger impact on your life now probably than ever before. And I've talked about it on this show many times. Instead of having a practice where you're learning how to, you know, work on fundamentals, I think you should have a practice where you sit down as a team and talk about how you're doing, how you're feeling. How's everybody doing? How do they feel about coming back and playing again? What are their goals? What do you want to do? That's going to help kids out maybe as much now than anything else. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports in this show, and I'd love to hear from you. Today's topic is about coaching. Give me a story about your coach, positively or negatively. If you're a coach, why do you coach? What do you love about it? What do you not like about it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Let's be honest, the National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. 
And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Everyone, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today, my topic is this. Qualities of your coach. I haven't had any calls yet. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, why do you coach? What do you get out of it? What are the positives or negatives about it for you? And if you're an athlete, I'd like to hear from you about a coach you've had who've left, who has left a positive or negative impact on your life. Did you have a coach that really influenced you in a positive way, taught you some values and goals? Or did you have a coach who turned you off to sports and made you quit? You know, there are a lot of qualities coaches have that make them look good or bad. And some of the, the bad qualities, I feel, of, of, of a bad coach, number one, they're argumentative. They're always blowing up at officials, at fans, at their kids. They'll lose focus because they think winning is everything. And that makes them not really look out for the player's well-being because they're always putting their players down because they're not doing well enough. You know, confidence is one of the qualities that when we talk about sports, we talk about confidence. You know, when you listen to a great performance by an athlete after a competition, after a sporting event, whatever it might be, when they talk about how they performed, if they did well, 
they'll talk about the fact that they were confident, they felt good about themselves, they were focused, they were in tune with what they were doing. And when someone doesn't do well, they talk about, you know, I lost my focus, my confidence wasn't there, I didn't feel good about myself, you know, I wasn't, my mind wasn't there. If you know I have a favorite saying, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who'll come out on top. Well, how do you get that stronger mind? Part of that comes from the coaching you have. So let's get some calls in. I'd love to hear from you if you have had a coach who left either a positive or negative influence on your life. Why did they, what did they say? What did they do that made you feel either way? And I know a lot of coaches listen to this show. If you coach, why do you coach? What are the reasons you coach? What do you get out of it? What does it do for you? Blake, my producer, Blake, if you listen to the show, you know Blake is a former college athlete. And you've had a bunch of coaches in your life. We've talked about it before. So tell us a story about a coaching scenario where maybe it wasn't the best thing for you. And I know you've had a lot of good coaches, but I'm sure there have been some situations that didn't really work that that well for you. Yeah, no, there um weirdly enough, I've I've actually had quite quite a good track record with just having good coaches in my opinion. There there and I don't I don't want to name names, you know, but there there has been a time where I had a coach that Well hold on, let me interrupt you. When you say you've had a track record of good coaches, why do you think that is? I don't know if it was just good timing, if I chose good institutions or if I felt that I felt the coaching cuz you know, you obviously I got to choose kind of what college I or what high school I went to. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to go to private school. So, uh, or I say private school is Catholic school. Um, so I was able to feel out some coaching staffs before I chose which school I wanted to go to. And so before I chose to go to Bishop Miege, I actually had uh, my mind and heart said I'm going to St. Thomas Aquinas. And when I went and shadowed and got and those to, are two Catholic high schools in Kansas City. When I went, yeah, when I went to go shadow, they're also both arch rivals. If, if you not, if, if you're not aware, so um, when I went, one coaching staff showed me all the love in the world, and when I went to the other one, I didn't speak to a single coach. Um, and the Why? one, I don't know. I don't know if it, if they just didn't know that I was there. Maybe I didn't get a chance to 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 poke my head into the office of the coaches when I was there. Um, you know, you're, you're going around from class to class. I actually had the coaches from the age pull me out of uh, during lunchtime, basically. They, you know, they pulled me into their their office, and, and that was actually Coach Tim Grunhart. Well, I was going to ask if it was, if it was Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of pulled me aside. They knew I was there, and, and you know, in the in the Kansas City, there's, you know who's who's coming up into the high school ranks of, of kids who play in whether it's CYO or Pop Warner or any of the any of the you know kind of younger kids leagues around the area. You and know you who's good. You mentioned, and you mentioned Tim Grunhard, and, and at some point I'd love to have him on this show because he went to Notre Dame, then he played for the Chiefs. He was coached by Lou Holtz at Notre Dame, and then Marty Schottenheimer here at the Chiefs. Two coaches who are very vocal, very expressive. And also two coaches who who would coach. They were good coaches. They're both known as good coaches. Marty Schottenheimer, oh, yeah. of course, we lost him this year. We did a show about him with Al Saunders and Emil Harry earlier in the year. Talked about his qualities. And 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 so what you're saying is you're validating what I was saying earlier. They they t- talked with you, not at you, right? Oh, hundred percent. And and if you had you asked me, hey, uh, tell me a track record of good coaching. 
Coach Grunhart would have been one of the first names that came to mind. Him and him and Justin Hoover, the uh, I believe he's still the current head coach over there at China Mission East. But uh, those two coaches, in my opinion, were two of the best coaches I've ever had in my life. Because what is, what was it about them that that made them stand out that way? So they both were a little. They they had a little different coaching style. Um, I I think the reason that I believe that Coach Grunhart was one of my all time favorite coaches is one he knew how to how to lead a group of men. And I always thought that I always had a very uh, high respect for somebody who could who could understand men at every age level. And I thought he did a fantastic job of understanding the mentality of, of what you, you know what you're going through during high school. The mentality of maybe when he was talking to a college player, he always knew he, how to speak to you based on how old you were or kind of um, you know your grade or anything like that. And I think that he he spoke to your heart. He was a, like I said, a great leader of men. Um, you know, he he would he would give the most amazing pregame speeches but that did, make okay. you want to run your head through a wall, but also put down you know put down your all your effort for your teammate. And I thought that was amazing. But would you would you say he was a good listener? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Let, let me stop you right there because see, I think that that quality is so important because I found throughout my my forty years of work with professional coaches, Olympic coaches college coaches, high school coaches across the board, that one of the one of the big things that stands out to me when I and I've I go through my career and, and with all the people I've worked with, as well as listening to kids and young young people come in my I mean, I've got several several NFL players I work with right now. And a couple of them have had some pretty in fact one one young man, he's now on a different team, but he was with the team part of the year last year. And he had a coach who was just awful. This guy was argumentative and yelled at him and picked on him. And the general manager of the team would sit there and say, you know, this coach is not coaching properly. And, you know, it, it, it left an impact on him. Now he's on a different team with coaches who listen to him and talk not at him but with him. And so I think one of the great qualities of a good coach is someone who listens and 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 takes the time to understand their athletes, find out the qualities, strengths, and weaknesses, and that's what it sounds like you're telling us that your coaches did. Now, I'd love to get some calls in here. I want to hear from you. If you are a coach, what do you think some of the good qualities or bad qualities you may have are that have allowed you to succeed or fail? And if you've had a coach you really liked or disliked, love to hear from you on that as well. Talking about coaching, good coaches, bad coaches, what are the qualities that make them stand out either way? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
America. Your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday, live in Kansas City. Our shows rebroadcast around the country throughout the week. We talk about mental side of sports on this show, and today's topic is this, qualities of a good or bad coach. And I'd love to hear from you the story about a coach you had that's left an impact on your life, positively or negatively. And if you're a coach, why do you coach? What do you get out of it? What does it do for you? And as we come out of this pandemic and get back to living, hopefully, some sense of normalcy again, I think coaches' roles in sports are going to be more important than ever. Because you need to be a good listener, you need to be a good guide, you need to be a good psychologist with the kids you're coaching. Let's see what Bill has to say. Bill, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm just fine. And uh, 
I guess I'll go ahead and tell you the story about the coach. Um, he's he's dead now. I, I went to school last century. I mean, 50 years ago. But uh, and I wasn't a good athlete. I I think some of that was the system I was in. Some of it was my attitude. But this coach at the start of the football season, he'd go, "Listen, gentlemen, he's an ex-marine. He smoked like a pack and a half of cigarettes a day." And back then, teachers could even smoke on campus. You know, they'd go to the boiler room and smoke on their breaks. Are you talking about high but school or college? High school. Okay. And so the, so the coach set us all down and said, listen, if, I, if you're caught smoking on school property, you're off the team. He says, I smoke a pack and a half a day, half since I joined the Marines when I was 18, you know, saw combat, all that stuff. He said, I can go all day long without a cigarette until I leave school. And I'm an adult. I can smoke. You guys are minors and not. And so that was the deal. And back then, a lot of kids smoked. I mean, you know, less than I think they do less today. But it showed me his character. He said, I'd go all day without it, smoke for 30 years. And I'm, I'm not advocating smoking. Don't get me wrong. But this guy had enough character not to do something on campus he could do but chose not to as an example to the other to to his team and i thought that was a good character to show what did that what did that do for you as you moved on in life because here it is 50 years later and you remember that pretty clearly yeah i do well he was a not all the coaches that were on that football team were fair and decent but he was and i remembered that he showed character and I don't know if he was a good coach or not as far as the athletic side of it. I never really caught on. I, I played a couple of years, and I wasn't any good. So Football? Football, yeah. Okay. You said he, he I, there were some coaches that weren't so good. What was different about them? Uh, well, our team back then, the first half was all about how many hard hits you could put on people, and then at halftime we'd check and see if we were – had an opportunity to win the game. It was more about really putting the hits on people than it was about winning the game. So, what, what, so Bill, let me ask you, what has all this taught you? Well, it taught me not to play football my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> what about smoking? Well, uh... Oh, you ended up smoking, I can tell from your answer. No, no I didn't smoke. I chewed tobacco. Oh, well, but, that... Okay. Well, I, you know, I've chewed tobacco for a lot of years. I mean, but I didn't start chewing tobacco in high school. So I started that, when I went. I started when I went to college. But this, co- your coach, left a value system on you. He taught you something he, about being able to set some goals and set some parameters and things and I live by it. Have, well, and have character. I don't do it. Therefore, if you do it, you're off the team. I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do during football season. Well, listen, Bill, I want to thank you for your call. That's an interesting story, and, and what you're telling telling us had nothing to do with sport, just had to do with life about a value system and, and goals That's and right. parameters. And, and, and I, from him and from another coach of that era, I learned value. You know, I learned character and uh, setting goals. The other coaches, I, I, learned, I, I learned things from them, too, but they weren't good things, you know. So, okay, so so th- this football coach 
has left a lasting impression on you, as we said, to this day. And, right, uh, and, I, and I wasn't successful either. So I think it's more important what kind of, what kind of example and legacy does a coach leave you when you're not successful in sports. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a great point, and uh, I want to thank you for your call, sir. Very, very interesting story, and and uh, stay you off know. the tobacco if you can. That stuff's not good for you. All right. Well, no, no, but I'm an old dog. You know, it's hard to learn new tricks. Well, you can always learn something. Anyway, listen, sir, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Interesting story from Bill there. So what about you? What about if you had a co- – I'd like to hear about your coach. We're talking about coaching today, qualities of a good coach or a bad coach. What are the qualities of a coach that you've had that, that have left left the lasting impression on you, positively or negatively? Blake, what do you want to add? Well, I, I like what Bill said. Um, he, he brought up what a coach's impact is on a player who wasn't successful, who maybe didn't get to do and accomplish the things in, you know, it, it, when I was obviously an athlete, I got to accomplish a lot of things. It was awesome. But I what he just brought up about, Players that were impacted by coaches, even though they might not have been the best track runner, the best football player, and didn't have success, didn't go on in life to, to do any more sports or athletic events, but they took what they learned from the coach that they had at the time and were still able to apply that to life. And but that, I, but that's, I think that's, that's, that's what it's about, though. I know, that, but I think, I think we don't talk about that side of it enough, and I think, that that, I think Bill kind of just brought up a really excellent point. Well, yeah, because, because we focus so much— about winning, 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 okay? And, you know, I my definition of winning is did you go out that day and accomplish your goal and get better at something? It has nothing to do with coming in first place. Yeah, we all like to win and come in first place. Well, most of us do. There are some people that don't. But most people want to come in first. And if you don't come in first, it's a disappointment. But the key thing to me is what did you learn about yourself? What did you, what, what did you gain from that? athletic event or personal event that you're in and that's where to me it comes down to i know there are people disagree there are a lot of people say oh doc you're full of it come on you, you, winning is about first place if you don't come in first place you're a loser well by the definition of if you come in first place you won then yeah you lost the event if you didn't come in first but what did you learn about yourself how did you gain knowledge about yourself what did you learn about self-improvement if, if you have you know, 500 people go out and run a 10K road race and everybody runs their best time. They're all winners because they all succeeded and got better. Now, one person's going to run the fastest time and get first place and win the race from that perspective. But everybody can be a winner if they got better. And so to me, that's, that's what I think good coaches teach. It's about self-improvement. It's about getting better. And it's about learning to overcome obstacles. We all have potholes in our life. Some of them become canyons. Some of them become, you know, oceans, but it's how you learn to overcome those things, and that that that's the thing. And so, go 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 ahead. What well, I was at? I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's funny. I going back and kind of looking at each, you know, whether I was in grade school, high school, college, um, I can count on my hands and feet only using those four things about how many times I've lost a football game in my life. Did not lose very much at all my entire career. Well, you very, can't beat my high school. Fortunate. We lost one game all three years I was there. So yeah, there. well, then there you go. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I can still – so of all the wins that I've had, I remember almost every single loss. I don't, of course you I don't remember every, all the wins because, yes, the win is important, but it's the losses that I remember the most. And not to say that I harp on the losses, but it's to uh, – 
I remember those because I remember how they impacted me and how I would move forward from them. Well, what did I learn from each one? Basically, a lot. When you lose, when you fail at something, it's it's how you grow from that, and that's that's the key thing in the end. It's what did you get get out of that to help you grow and get better? I'd love to hear from you. Talking about coaching today, what are the qualities of a good coach? We had a great call from Bill. They were talking about his coach. Bill wasn't successful at football, but his coach taught him about values, about setting parameters. So what is your coach done for you positively or negatively? If you're a parent, how do you how do you pick the right coach for your son or daughter? That's a whole other show we could do. But at the same time, what are you looking for in a coach to teach your kids? You know, I know a lot of a lot of people look for coaches to have, you know, very strong ethics and, and, and some are looking for disciplinarians. Everybody's looking for something different. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Illness, job loss, and isolation have caused increased stress and depression this year, says Dr. Gail Saltz, best-selling author and mental health expert. As mental health care professionals, we're seeing a record number of new clients. Even as communities open up and millions of people are vaccinated daily, many still face lingering anxiety or depression. COVID-19 lockdowns show that it's vital to care for both your body and mind, and now we can with relative ease. People are turning to telehealth for mental and physical treatment, receiving the same quality care from their trusted provider as they would during an in-person visit. I'm excited to partner with NextGen Healthcare on the NextGen Mind campaign, raising awareness of the importance of mental health and connecting people to help. NextGen Healthcare recognizes whole person care is where healthcare is headed. When providers work together to deliver integrated care, all of society benefits. For more, visit nextgen.com slash nextgenmind or hashtag nextgenmind. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I got to tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation. And it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) 
Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. Today's topic is coaching. What are the qualities of a good coach and a bad coach? We've got plenty of time to hear from you. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you're a parent, excuse me, what are the qualities you're looking for in a coach for your son or daughter if you're an athlete what do you need from your coach you need direction you need guidance you need instruction you need corrections i think one of the key things that good coaches do is they don't talk at their athletes they talk with them you know i hear all the time from all the people I see in my office and people I consult with about their coaches, positively or negatively. I hear things all the time. And one of the things that they, good coaches seem to have this ability to check their ego at the door. It's not about them, it's about the athletes. And I hear stories all the time about coaches who will do extra things for their athletes to help them get better. Not just physically, but mentally as well. If we look at self-confidence, you hear it all the time when you hear an athlete or a coach after a sports performance talk about how their team or the individuals did. Whether they succeeded or failed in that event, confidence always gets talked about. If they did well, you know, I felt really confident today. When I made a mistake, I wasn't afraid to move on. And if, they're, if they didn't do well, they'll talk about, you know, I lost my confidence. I, I didn't have it. I didn't feel good about myself, and it wasn't there. And that's where, to me, a good, a good coach, when, when an athlete screws up or fails, a good coach is going to help them understand how to move on from that. And that's where I, I said earlier, a good coach is a good psychologist because a good coach is going to understand the psyche of that athlete. If you're coaching a team, you got a bunch of kids out there, a bunch of young people out there, a bunch of adults, and you've got to understand how each of them gets turned on or turned off by success or failure. How do they handle it? I know the years I was the team psychologist at Kansas City Royals, I watched you know, hundreds of games being with the team, and I would be underneath the dugout during games because Major League Rules wouldn't let me in the dugout during games, and I would talk to players all the time about, you know, you, you think a Major League Baseball player is going to be a confident person. And, and they are to get to that point. But, you know, when you start struggling and you start getting frustrated, your confidence can fall pretty pretty fast. And so it's a, it's a matter of looking at yourself, understanding yourself, and being able to work yourself through that. I know the two managers that I felt tremendous about working with were John Wathan and Trey Hillman, who were the Royals managers. Because they cared about their athletes. When I spent time with them, both of them encouraged me to talk to athletes, listen to them, get to know them. They were very supportive of me being with the team. And they cared about these people as people. 
And that was what the qualities both of these men had that I really admired because they cared about them as people. Another professional coach I work with, Rick Benben, who coached Kansas City Comets and went on to coach UMKC men's soccer. Rick really cared about the, these guys. Cared about them as people. Wanted to know what was going on with them. How could he help them out? And to this day, I know many, many soccer players who have, have told me how much they, that they appreciated that from him. His assistants throughout the years, especially Billy Gazzones with the Comets back in the 80s and Fred Schlichting with, with the UMKC team for years. They took the time to care about these guys. And I think when you, when you look at good coaches, they, they really do care about the athletes as people. Not about specifically how great they are as an athlete, but how are you as a person? How are you doing emotionally, psychologically, intellectually? And they will always take the time to help guys out with that. So if you've got a coach that, and, and this is one of the hardest things to do, talk with your coach. I think one of the most difficult things athletes have trouble with is if they have a coach that they don't think understands them, is listening to them, cares about them, is talking with that coach about it. There's a fear factor involved with that. Well, I don't want to do it. I don't know what they're going to say. They don't care. Well, you know what? If you don't ask them to talk to them, you're never going to find out. And a lot of times, coaches are waiting for the athletes to come to them because they don't want to be too pushy. They want the athletes to show the confidence to come talk to them. So I think one of the things, if you're a parent, when you're looking for good qualities of a coach, ask people who've been coached by that person before, before you sign your son or daughter up for a team, find out the qualities of that coach. And today, like I said, more than ever before, as we're, we're coming out of these lockdowns and the pandemic issues and getting back out, to, out there competing, you know, I've had a, the last few shows, I've had interviews with a bunch of experts Last week we had uh, an expert immunologist on talking about you know how to deal with all this coming back from the pandemic. And I think one of the things that's so important is talk about safety issues, talk about psychological issues. But good coaches, and I've had many, many, many over the years I've interviewed and talked, called on this show, take the time with their kids to find out how they're doing. You know, Blake, you were mentioning... Tim Grunhard, he cared about you as a person, didn't he? Oh yeah, that and that's one of the things to this day. And granted, Grant Grunny comes on, he's on here on the station a lot. He, he has a show here. He's been he's been here forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, not but, just but, saying. I'm not just saying this. I hope people don't think I'm just saying this. He's Tim probably Hart's not here. up listening right now because it's early <laughs> in the morning. But 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 I think you're saying that because he really did have a positive impact on you as an athlete, but more importantly as a person. Oh. Well, it, it was funny because he was also a theology teacher at at Bishop Miege, so he coached uh, you know theology class as well as football. So he was just somebody that I felt like you could always when he when, you know when he'd be in school during the middle of the day, you could always come up and talk to him. He was always smiling and whatnot, even though he might walk around with a scowl sometimes. He was a you know he's a he's a big teddy bear when you talk to him. So um, no, it it was great. He he really listened to his guys and he you know made it clear that you could come talk to him during practice after practice whenever you wanted and he was going to listen to you like a man and he was going to talk to you like with the respect that you deserve okay but see you just hit on exactly what i've been emphasizing throughout the show today he listened okay 
And that's that's one of the things, you know, like I, I hear from so many people, their coaches talk at them. They don't talk with them. You know, it's, it's one thing as a coach you're going to guide and instruct and all that, but you also need to have the take the time to listen to where your athletes are at because, you know, like I said, confidence – I talk about preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence as, as four of the keys to success. I've talked about this forever on this show. The foundation of it all is confidence, the ability to believe in yourself, your skills, your abilities. And if your confidence isn't there, how do you get it back or how do you develop it? Well, a lot of it's from talking, expressing, and especially about fear. I think for so many athletes, they, they're scared of failure they're scared of letting people down i i see it all the time i have it i've had three people in my office that pop it in my mind right now this past week and we talked about expectations at the head of other people and how they're afraid to let those people down especially their coach and and so it's so important i have a, a high school basketball player i work with been working with she's a sophomore star, started last year as a freshman this year didn't play very much and had issues with her coach the coach actually had some derogatory things to say about her at one point. So the parent, her parents demanded a meeting with him. He didn't want to meet with parents, but basically had to. And 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 the mom, pretty assertive lady, just basically said, "Look, you know, the daughter started the meeting. The coach then talked. The mom waited, and then she says, "Look, here's the deal. You know, it, it, if you want to coach her, you need to understand her better." And if you talk to her in a derogatory way, it's not going to help. I'm not going to tell you how to coach, but if you coach this way, it's not going to work with her, and you need to listen to her more. And to this coach's credit, he took the time to, to make some changes because he did take the time to listen. So I think that's the thing, key thing. So here's the deal. If you're a coach, take the time to listen to your kids. Take the time to understand where they're at, how you know what's stressing them out, what's not stressing them out, especially today, the way life has been. And as we come back from the pandemic, from – getting back into life again, getting back into competitions again. Take the time to be a good psychologist and a good listener. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports. There are a lot of ways to reach me. You can give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. You can reach me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. My website is winnersunlimited.com. Our shows are podcasted there. Send me an email at drjwinnersunlimited.com. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 every week. They're also on all the podcast apps. Have a great week. Stay safe. Talk to you next week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 